Welcome back, friends, to another episode of Felons on Film, brought to you by Geek Hard. This week, we look at the 2008 film, The Stone of Destiny, starring Charlie Cox. Story of Ian Hamilton and a group of friends who steal the Stone of Destiny back from Westminster Abbey to bring it home to Scotland. It's a rightful place. Elspeth will talk a lot about chest hair and tank tops at some point. But hey, if you like what we're doing here and you want more, you can always follow us on Twitter, at Felons on Film. And please, please, subscribe to us on whatever podcasting platform you listen to us on. And go to the old Apple Podcasts, the iTunes, and leave a five-star rating and review because it helps with the analytics and lets more people know about us. And uh, the more people know about us, the more we'll do this show. Also, if you have a question or a comment about our show, please email us at geekardshow at gmail.com with felons on film in the subject line. And myself and Elspeth may very well answer your question at the beginning of an upcoming episode. So please, we can't wait to hear from you. But for now, let's get into felons on film. Time for us once again to ask, was the crime worth our time? It is Felons on Film. I'm Andrew Young. And I'm, and I'm Sparkles. You no, I'm oh, you're actually by my name today. We're Scotland and we're proud. That's right. That's right. We're talking about, you know, something that's important to Scotland today. This week's movie is The Stone of Destiny. Now, a lot of people will be like, Stone of Destiny? I thought you guys talk about like real crimes. Guess what? The Stone of Destiny could be seen as a crime, even though we saw it as proper liberation of property belonging to Scotland. But it falls under the realm of people stealing things, so we get to do it on the show. Yes, it is a heist. It's a bad heist, but it is a heist. A poorly done heist. See, you say that. Poorly done heist. You say that. Yeah. But they, because as we know, this happened back in 1950, they were successful. The first heist we ever covered was about four dudes who were unsuccessful. This is true. So they were more successful than that shitty fucking movie. Congratulations. <laughs> but not for lack of trying is just, um, I love them. Except for the main guy, because he's really English. So I love them all, but they did not. It was bad. Okay. It was bad in the movie. I don't know if it was that bad in real life. It was. Oh, it was that bad. They actually did. It did take them a full, like, two chances. Yeah. Did, I watched uh, an interview did, with the guy did, who did it. Like, the main guy. It, did, Kay, uh, did Kay really get sick? He didn't mention if Kay got sick. And I couldn't find any information on that. Like, he did talk a lot about how it was winter and there was a lot of snow, which they did not show in the film. They made it look like it was kind of like a crisp fall. Well, they did say it was Christmas Day. Okay, but they get snow in England and Scotland. Yeah, a lot of it. Sometimes it rains. I just, it was a bit weird. They were like, it's Christmas and there's no snow on the ground. There's no snow anywhere. I think there was one or two shots where they did show some patches of snow. I saw news footage. It was not, it was like piled high. It was a lot. 
Right. Stuff. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. But Stoner Destiny, written and directed by Charles Martin Smith. Starring, Is he Scottish? Believe so. Okay. Uh, starring Charlie Cox, who would later on go on to be famous as Daredevil. Kate, Kate Mara, who's also not Scottish. Boo. And then Robert Carlyle, of course. Boo. He's very Scottish. Woo! He was not in this movie enough. Billy Boyd, who's very Scottish. Woo! Are you not going to say he wasn't in this movie enough either? No, I'm a little annoyed that he was in this movie at all. Oh, not a Billy Boyd fan. Okay. Oh, I love Billy Boyd. I love me some Billy Boyd. Billy Boyd walked into my house. I'd be like, hello, Billy Boyd. Let's get to know each other. Let's do some dancing. I love Billy Boyd. Billy Boyd plays ageless and college-age people while looking like a middle-aged man. They got him because he was Scottish. That was it. Like, he does not... He looks like he has a son who is in university. Regardless, a lot of great actors in this film, including even uh, Peter Mullins in it, who plays Ian Hamilton's father in it. Peter Mullen, he's been in freaking everything. I recognize the name. Well, do you remember Train Spotting? No, I never watched Train Spotting. Okay, well... You think you're, there's a ton, if you, if you look at his IMDb page, the guy's got like a mile long of credits. Great cast for this film. And uh, the film is, of course, about real events that happened about the removal of the Stone of Skewn from Westminster Abbey. And this stone, supposedly the Stone of Jacob, over which Scottish monarchs were traditionally crowned at Skewn in Perthshire was stolen by King Edward I of England in 1296 and placed under the throne at Westminster Abbey in London. In 1950, a group of Scottish nationalist students, led by Ian Hamilton, succeeded in liberating it from Westminster Abbey and returning it to Scotland, where it was placed symbolically at Aberth Abbey, the site of the signing of the Declaration of Birth and an important site in the Scottish nationalist cause. So this film is a retelling of the Christmas season in which Ian Hamilton and uh, three friends steal the Stone of Destiny. Although from what I hear, there was actually four friends and that fourth friend was left out of the story for some reason. (laughs) Yeah, he didn't come in until after they already stole it. Oh, that's right. Yes, it's when he's delivering the, when they go to get the rest of the stone. That's right. Yeah. There's a couple things they didn't really make clear in the film. And I understand why they didn't, like, visually. The snow was one thing. We already know I'm mad about it. The other thing was when they're, like, carrying the stone out of Westminster Abbey. Something that the guy talked about was that it was pitch black. Mm. He was like, you could cut slices out of the darkness. Like, you couldn't see your hand. And they had flashlights. And so I'm just like, kind of like, I don't know, understand why they took that part of the film. Um, I think it's, it was a budget situation. It's easier to shoot early morning with natural light than it is to shoot the appearance of pitch blackness, but you can still see your characters. You know what I mean? Okay. But like, I can just turn the contrast up on all my videos on Instagram. Yeah. But it doesn't look good. Thanks. That was unnecessary. I don't mean you. I mean, the contrast doesn't look good. Ow. Ow. Just give me a minute now. 
unnecessary. You're so mean to me before the show too. I might start crying. Um, okay, fine then. Moving on, I guess. I'm just saying it was probably a budgetary reason why they did that. That makes sense then. Full disclosure, I was I was using the future while I was watching this film and I wasn't fully paying attention to some parts. When and you so say I, using the future, does that mean you were texting or on your phone doing something? No, I was using laser hair removal. I was using lights to make me a sphinx cat. I was using the future. So you were removing hairs from your body while watching. With light. While watching With a- them. Bright light. While watching them remove the stone. With essentially a fucking flashlight. Anyway, so I was using the future. So forgive me if they, they made this clear and like I just missed it. So they, they hid the stone for three months after they stole it. Okay. Was that made clear in the film? Um, they said it would be a while. They don't think they actually give the time range. Okay, because for me it like felt like a week went by. Well, it's because I don't think they specified the length of the time cut. And so I can see that being a bit misconstrued. Yeah, because in real life, it was three months that they were, they were hiding. And it says that they were, like, arrested. But the guy said he was never arrested. He, they asked him questions, yeah. but they never arrested him. No, well, that was, again, these are, these are liberties that a film takes to make it seem a bit more exciting. That's what they did here. The idea is Ian Hamilton is uh, a young man. He believes in Scottish nationalism, Scottish independence. He's kind of pissed off right at the beginning because, you know, he goes into a pub and he's talking with his friends about, you know, being proud of Scottish heritage. And the owner of the bar is like, fuck you. That's basically, go fuck yourself. Was it the owner? I thought it was just some, like, drunk guy at the bar. Well, he might have been a drunk guy at the bar or or he might have been a patron, might have been the owner. Whoever he was, he was pointing out the sign. The sign in the bar did not say Scotland. It said North England. Big. Yeah. Which was a rebranding at that time that was really being pushed. That was bullshit. And so, yeah, so there is a movement, though, amongst the uh, university wanting to, uh, you know, get Scottish to get back its independence, to get back its identity. So then Ian and his friend cook up a plan about removing the Stone of Skewn from Westminster Abbey and bringing it back to Scotland as a sign to rally behind, to show that Scotland is its own country, its own nation. And so they spend some time planning everything out. Using chalk. Using chalk, also taking a trip to Westminster Abbey. Okay, but come on. Like they had your guide to London, and then they somehow blocked out what, what, like the floor plan of Westminster Abbey. Based on what? Andrew. Probably based on a brochure or a book. They had but both those things back then. They did, but they're like mapping it out and counting how many steps there are. Like if he was planning on going to Westminster Abbey, why didn't he just go and draw a freaking map while he was there? Because they wanted to be prepared, okay? To visit? Yes. Because they, the visit, though, if you notice the visit, they were timing things. So they wanted to already have their plans and, like, how quickly they could move so they could then figure out, okay, now that I've taken these many steps, how long did that take me in the actual building? Not the first time you went. They did that the second time they went. Really? Yeah. The first time he went when he called up and was like, I'm at my aunt's house and this is my Oh, sister. right. Of course. Yeah. Like, I'm wink, yeah, wink. But, but that conversation, didn't that happen before the chalk? 
No, I don't think so. Regardless, it's not really that important. That's, no, but it made me mad, though. Because it is all set up. It, it's pretty much a, a series of scenes to show that they're serious about this and trying to give the idea, the, the, the idea of the heist and the planning and all that sort of stuff. But then, of course, as the story progresses, Ian's buddy, Bill, is like, I can't do this. It's, i got to spend Christmas with my family, you know? Sure, so Billy th- Boyd chickens out. That's right. He does chicken out. And so he has to put together a team. And so he goes to Robert Carlyle's character, John McCormick, which, I don't know if you know this, my grandfather's name was also John McCormick. Very cool. So, was it the same man? No, not the same man. Different Glaswegian. Not the same Glaswegian. But anyways. I would have enjoyed if there were a few more scenes with Robert Carlyle in the tank top. Like, I very much <laughs> in, it, it liked Daredevil with the tank top and the gratuitous chest hair. Loved it. Not complaining about it. But just liked a bit more. Maybe other characters. You want, you want the tank top version of this film, eh? Oh, is that, is, is that available? We should talk to Charles Martin Smith. He might have a cut. Who knows? Because I'll, I'll, be, I'll be into that one. <laughs> be into that one. So he goes to John McCormick at the university, basically lays out a quick-drawn version of his plan. And of course, McCormick thinks, oh, okay, well, then he must have a lot of plans on this. What do you need? And he's like, I need finances. And he's like, well, how much do you need? And he tells him two, I think it was, is it 200? He says to him or does, or is 50, right? He says 50. And so he's like, okay, what will you, what will you be doing with these resources? And he's like, travel food, you know, fish and chips. Car. we need fish and chips. And, chippies. and he's like, you're going to spend 50,000 pounds on that. And he's like, it's like, no, just 50. So then of course he doesn't take him seriously, but eventually Ian's, you know, can do attitude really gets to John McCormick. John McCormick ends up introducing him. Well, not so much introducing him, but pointing out Kay, a very strong young woman who has deep beliefs in Scottish nationalism. You see her at the beginning of the film handing out pamphlets. She's also hot. Pardon me? She's also hot. She is hot. She's definitely (laughs) hot. She's hot. And it's weird. I've seen her in films like a lot after this. And I've never seen her as beautiful as this. And I figured out she's a redhead in this film. But anyway. (laughs) You're a man of simple tastes. You're not better than me. You pretend like you're better than me, but you're not better than me. I've never said I'm better than you. I I just said that I'm different. But anyway. (laughs) You're different in that you like red hair instead of Chester. You're still shallow. I never said I wasn't. But anyways. So yeah. So of course he meets Kay. They start to work out a plan. Then they get Gavin and Alan involved. Point of order. First, they grind a lot. They do the 50s version of grinding. And then he's like, oh, wait, this chick's hot. I better tell her my plan. Based on nothing else. Well, she is. Like, it has been established in the film that she believes in the cause. Okay. Does that mean that she's willing to go, like, she's not going to be like, oh, hey, don't break the law? Like, this is not based on anything. See, here, here, I will say, interesting that you bring that up, though, because, of course, Charlie Cox plays Ian Hamilton, and Ian Hamilton, basically, after, as you put it, grinding with Kay on the, uh, on the dance floor there or whatever, decides he's going to lay out the entire plan. 
We also established that Charlie Cox played Daredevil. Daredevil has a history of revealing his true identity to any woman he fancies. So there's a trend in the characters that Charlie Cox plays. Yeah. Uh, Maybe it's a Charlie Cox thing then. Yeah, definitely. It's funny. As soon as the plan is put out there, she's like, okay, well, none of this. None of... None of down here. You don't get access to this now. We're in, yeah. we're in business. I'm putting on my business pants. Yeah, exactly. They don't have easy access. Right. And so we then bring in, I believe Gavin was the big guy? Yeah, I think yeah. so. Why are so, you yeah. asking? I don't know names. I never know names. So Gavin Vernon, who's basically like a big kind of like rugby dude at the school. I love him. Kay he- points him out and says, we need somebody strong. And so they pitch the idea to him and he's just automatically in. He's like, I'm in, let's do it. <laughs> I like him. And so they, they, they put their plan together. They're going to go. They figured out Christmas Eve is the best time to do it. Is that something that Ian's been saying since the beginning? Because the place will be closing early. People will be going home. And on the day that they're going to travel, Kevin brings along Alan. And Alan was not part of the plan. And so Ian is pissed. He's like, what the fuck? We did chalk drugs. We did everything. He never says any of this, but he's like, what the <laughs> hell? Accurate. Yeah. That's a uh, direct quote. Gavin wears him down and says, you know, it'll be my responsibility. If Alan fucks up, it's on me sort of thing. Again, and, based on it was, he has a car and we could use another car. Why, when he was coming up with his original finances, why did he not go, you know what? Let's pitch in a little bit extra so we can get two cars. But here's my question. Because after seeing this film and seeing what happens in the film, why did they need two cars? Oh, because one person was going to go north and one person was going to go south. So they needed two cars. Decoy decoy car. Okay. Because originally when they started, the stone is all one piece. So My question, why didn't they plan to have a hotel room? Because they, they wasn't part of the 50, uh, 50 pounds, okay? But, but why? Well, okay, well, think, I would think logically... After 100. I would think logically, it's the holidays. Holidays mm-hmm. would be harder to book a hotel. And okay. they, uh, what you call it, they probably also didn't want to have... They wanted to have it as simple as possible so there'd be no inconspicuous. Because let's see what happens at the time when Kay gets sick and they have to find a place for her to stay. Suddenly, oh, these, these, these Glaswegian boys, these Scottish boys just hanging around. I better call the cops. Like, well, what because the- they come wake her up at fucking two o'clock in the morning. She gets sick because she's sleeping in a car in the middle of winter. If she had a hotel room, she could just leave. You don't get germs from the cold. That's all I got to say. Anyway. <laughs> she could have just left. They could have had a plan where she just left. And it would have been fine. This woman calls the cops because he's banging on our door at 2 a.m. I've had people knock on my door at 2 a.m. I've never had to call the cops. She should lighten up. That woman. Well, also that, but you were not a woman in Scotland in the 1950s. That's true. That is true. I am not that. If I was that, I would be like, well, it wasn't in Scotland. It was in England. So I'd be like, oh, what, it is wasn't this, what is this talking box I'm in front of? Is it grandmother was a woman in scotland no in the 50s but this did not exist so if i was talking into this in 1950 i would be amazed right i'm a wizard yeah (laughs) 
Stop saying future. It makes me think of you removing hairs from your underbits. But anyways. <laughs> I refuse. Future. Well, see, that was the other thing. Is when they, their first attempt is foiled by a night watchman that they didn't think was going to be there, which doesn't make sense because it's a historical landmark and tourist attraction. Of course, there's going to be a night watchman every night of the year. So don't know why, why they thought that. <laughs> They also go the day before Christmas, originally. Yeah, Christmas Eve. They cha- No, no, no. They change it in the pub. Oh, yeah. Why don't we go tonight instead of tomorrow night? Oh, that's right. Okay. So they change it to the day, the 23rd. Why wouldn't there be a night watchman on the 23rd? True. Why wouldn't there be? And that was Gavin's, that was Gavin's idea. That was Gavin's idea. He got too excited. And Gavin is there for muscles, not for brain. Yes. He's not the, the man with the plan. And so nobody is the man with the plan. There was no plan. There was a plan. They had chalk. <laughs> there we go. Well, that's all you need for a plan. Chalk and a crowbar stuffed down your pants. Yeah. That's how you do it. Nothing says liberating Scotland like a crowbar down your pants. That's what I say. Sure. So because of this, they, of course... The second time around, they almost abort it because Kay gets sick, but then Kay just needed a nap, I guess, and she's okay. (laughs) And they go forth with the plan. Of course, there's a comedy of errors within what happens with the plan. Now, you said in the interview that he talks about exactly how it went down. So how close was the actual robbery to what Mr. Ian Hamilton said in his interview? He didn't say anything other than how dark it was or like he didn't really say anything that sounded like it was terribly different except for some time things and some like small things like it was really dark but there was a comedy of errors there was a number of problems of when they tried to take the stone out because the stone was so heavy and stone breaking and all these sort of things yeah he didn't say that that was incorrect so okay all right so yes so it is a very goofy sequence not in like goofy like oh that's that's you you fucked it up but more like goofy like Oh, this is a very comical sort of sequence. But at the same time, because they're playing it so dramatically, you kind of are equal parts. This is funny. And oh, shit, they're going to get caught, which I really did enjoy in the film. For a film that came out in 2008, this is very like more of a traditional classic film. Now, it kind of has to do with the fact that it takes place in the 1950s. So there is that kind of throwback feel to it. But this is very much, this is like the kind of adventure films you could think of when you were a kid that it's like, oh, these young people are doing something. Just happens this time that these young people are doing something that actually happened. Yeah, I can agree with that. Like, I mean, whereas it I comes. I certainly liked the film better than other films we've watched. Yeah, like when it comes to like historical films of this nature, this is one that you can kind of sit the whole family down and have a little fun with. That's yeah, okay. Head nods do not get picked up I was by a doing microphone. a family dance. That's Andrew. a family dance? It's my family dance. Because it, it's the dance that the, the the dwarves do in Snow White. Hey-ho, hey-ho. And that's the what I think. dwarves are a family? I always thought the dwarves were more of like a gathering, a corporation of miners. <laughs> well, I didn't have a really great home life when I was a child, Andrew. So I thought that the doors were a great family. And when I think of family, I think of Snow White. Yeah, okay. You saying, when I think of family, I think of Snow White, that shows that you had not the greatest of childhoods. 
right? Because Snow White did not have a good childhood either. But anyway. I mean, I should probably bring that part up to my therapist. I'm not yeah. going to, but I should. I think you totally should. If you're bringing it up to us here, I think you totally You're welcome. Should. It's because you are my therapist now. Uh, well, then how much are you paying your therapist? I give her smiles and she pities me. I don't buy that at all. You're not getting me for free. I already know how expensive you are, Andrew. Well, I'm expensive. I'm definitely expensive. But you're worth it. Well, thank you. You're welcome. But at the same time, I can't be bought. That's can, not true. But I can be rented. Yes. Yes. So there you go. <laughs> now, More accurate. Yes. So overall, though, from what we found out from our findings is that the film, although taking a few liberties, like the changing the time so that it's a bit lighter... And the symbolic scene of them getting arrested at the place and where they put the stone. These things did not happen in real life, but they added to for dramatic purposes within the film. I will add the biggest thing that they did. So at the end of the film, they're like, oh, no one was ever charged. And the stone went back to Scotland. The stone went back to Scotland in 1996? Yeah. The stone went back to Scotland in 1996. So... They make it seem like the stone went back to Scotland in 1950. The stone was in England for Queen Elizabeth's coronation, which didn't happen until 1953. And it didn't move to Scotland until 1996. Yes. So I feel like this movie doesn't so much as depict inaccuracies as it kind of just like words things or phrases things or shows things in a way that it suggest something that is different than the truth. Right. It's an act of omission. Yeah. They're omitting some simple facts to, again, make the ending of the film happier than it actually was. Because it's sort of like, they did this thing. Ian Hamilton, he got this, him and his buddies got this stone out. They got it. And in real life, it was like, no, it has to go back to England. Yeah. It was like, yeah, they got the stone and the stone went back to Scotland in 1996, but no one paid attention to that. Like, and here's the thing. It's a, it was given November 96 is when it was then put in, I believe it was uh, Edinburgh Castle, transported to Edinburgh Castle. And that's where it is. But when Queen Elizabeth dies, it'll, go is, back. it'll have to go back for the coronation. They'll probably send it back after that, but it will have to go back for, for the, the coronation. coronation. Because the King of Scotland still needs to sit on the throne and sit on the stupid rock. You mean the King of England. And of course... No, it's going to by the King of Scotland has to sit on the stone, which is why it's important to Scottish history. Right. And of course, whatever monarchy rules England rules. Also rules Scotland. Yes. No, I totally, I get that. I'm saying like currently now it would have to be the King of England. And NBD so, guys. And also, as, as you talked about, because it is in the film, the stone breaks apart. Half it's hidden in the field, half that they mm-hmm. put in this, this trunk of this, uh, this basement in the uh, Consulate of Public Affairs office. And then it is repaired by a Glasgow stonemason named Robert Gray. These are things that all happened after the events that took place in the Mm, film. And they kind of showed it in the film. Like they showed it getting repaired in the film. Yeah, yeah. Well, they kind of showed it after it was repaired sort of thing. Like, hey, look, we got, look, it's a whole stone now. The film, while being extremely uplifting, as you said, is a little misleading because while it was a win... It wasn't as big a win as they presented. 
Yeah. And did you know that the queen, Queen Elizabeth didn't even show up to put, like to give the stone to, the, the stone to Scotland? She wasn't there. Of course not. She doesn't give a shit about Scotland. She doesn't give a shit. She's Fuck the queen. Shit. Fuck the queen there. Oh, so final verdict. I think we've been talking about this the entire time. We both enjoyed the film. Yeah. yeah. Is it a needs film more chest hair. Needs more chest hair. Right? You need the need chest, more hair chest hair. You need the tank top chest hair edition. I, I need it for my soul. <laughs> your soul. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, we'll see if it hits another streaming service. Maybe they'll bring out that version. It pairs very well with season one of Outlander, which is a terrible, awful show, but mostly historically accurate for the events in the show. Right. Well, I say it pairs very well with all three seasons of Daredevil, because like I said, the theme of Charlie Cox playing characters that see a pretty face and then have to give information to them. That's the... uh, well, I can appreciate that and relate to that very deeply. Um, Outlander is actually about the history of Scotland. It's also oh. got some time travel and love and a lot of sex in it. And it's badly written and badly acted. But the events are true. See, here's the thing. You mentioned that there's time travel in it. Yeah. So the events are not 100% true. No, the events are not. So if you leave the time travel out of it. But you cannot because it is a component of the no. show. No, you can leave it out of it. And part of it is, a big part of it, is how Scotland reacted to the English takeover. And so that whole part that you talked about where King George III, King George III? King Edward I of England. Oh, King Edward. Okay. So the the parts about King Edward are in Outlander. And it's about the Highlanders fighting for the Stone of Destiny. Which, can I also say, I was very mad at you because you called it the Stone of Destiny, which I understand is the name of the film, but you made me believe that it was a pretty thing. It was not a pretty thing. It is a slab. It's a stone. Damn stone. But when you say the Stone of Destiny, you think of something very pretty to look at. You don't think of a slab of reddish kind of sandstone. Well, you don't think that if you know your Scottish history, so fuck ye. Okay. I like shiny things. And I still thought it was a shiny thing. And well, I was very disappointed. The thing. You were watching the film. You were using your future hair removal thing. So a shiny thing was there. It's true. It blinded me. Yes. So there you go. You fulfilled your own shiny needs. It did. I think that people should definitely check out this film. You're looking for like oh, yeah. a good old timey sort of film. A film that just gets you in the heartstrings and makes you like give a damn about something. I wouldn't go that far. But... I did enjoy the film. I definitely thought it was older than 2008, but I did enjoy the film. Well, again, it's that throwback style of the story that would definitely make it feel like it came out well before 2008. Yeah, maybe. I don't know what it is. It made me feel like it came out like in the 90s. Maybe it was like the cover art because it was like their faces in the clouds and like a pretty picture of Scotland. Well, it was where, where did you watch it? Uh, YouTube, I think. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. So you can rent it on YouTube. Uh no, I I think I just streamed it illegally. Oh, okay. Fair enough. So I was just wondering how the cover art came into play. Oh, because I also look up the cover. I look up these films oh. sometimes, Andrew. I don't just watch the film and then be like, I hated it. I actually do research. Sometimes. I know, but 
but you, the cover art is not something that it's like, oh, I hope she checks the cover art. So that was surprising to me. But now, because of that, we're going to start a new segment on the show called Cover Art Critique. So Elspeth, what did you like about the cover art? I enjoyed Robert Carlyle's face. And what did you not like about the cover art? It made no sense. It was just them in the clouds over Scotland. So the composition was off. It was weird. It was like it was very like Road to Avonlea esque for some reason. Like it, it felt like Anna Green Gables. That's what it felt like. There was a show in the '90s on CBC that was Anna Green Gables, and that was what the cover art was. It was like well, the show in the '90s was Road to Avonlea. No, there was a there was an Anna Green Gables ones as well. There was a series of three films in the '80s and early '90s, but there wasn't a. TV series of Anna Green Gables. Okay, in the well 90s. then maybe it was one of the movies, but it was her face over like the rolling hills of PEI. Yeah, yeah. So that's what it reminded me of. That's what it reminded you of, eh? One other little tidbit that is kind of fun is that, and it's something that I'm pretty sure you came up with in your research because of the uh, messages I got from you the other day, is that, uh, of course, Robert Carlyle's in this film. Robert Carlyle was also the star of a three season television series called Hamish Macbeth, where he's the cop. In a small Scottish town. I have to watch this. The last episode of the third season of Hamish Macbeth involves the Stone of Destiny. Really? Yes. Oh, I'm going to have to, I have to watch the show. I love it. I love everything about this show. I love young Robert Carlyle. I love that his name is Macbeth for reasons. They're like, what's a Scottish name? Macbeth. That works. Like, why is his name Macbeth? I love that he's a police officer. Like, all of it. My grandfather really enjoyed the show, and I think that's fitting, because as I said, his name was John McCormick, and Robert Carlyle played John McCormick, a different John McCormick, in this film. And so that brings us to the end of our review of The Stone of Destiny. Definitely check it out. So, of course... I liked a movie for once. Yeah, good for you. You know, you like last time's movie. You like Zodiac. It was so long. <laughs> so you like Stoner Destiny more than Zodiac. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Yes. Wow, there was okay. Hair and it was shorter. <laughs> you need to go online now and post your review of that. <laughs> I'm sure everyone will listen to me. So now we're going to come to Elspeth's favorite part, and that's where I tell you what we're going to be talking about on the next episode. Of oh, yeah. Tell me what I'm watching next. Okay, so this week's one, Stone of Destiny, kind of broke with tradition because we weren't dealing, we were dealing with a crime, but it was more of an adventure film than a film about a crime. Yeah, like uh, no one was arrested. No one yeah, was prosecuted. Yeah. This film is also a bit of a departure from our regular through line of films in that it's not based on a true story, but there are multiple instances that are inspired by real life cults. I and, genuinely don't know what movie you're talking about right now. And it's one that you picked. I know. I know that's how this worked. And I still do not know what you're talking. And I'm like, oh, this movie sounds really interesting. This is from 2011 Red State, directed by Kevin Smith. Oh, it's kind. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it is not, my movie. I've never actually seen this film before. You've I, seen this film. But you did pick it. I did pick it, but I, I picked it under duress. Well, how under duress? I didn't threaten you. <laughs> no, but I, what I wanted to do 
was the HBO miniseries Waco. Yeah, it's, with we, Michael don't, we don't do shows. We do, we do movies. That's what you told me. So I had to pick this movie, which the Branch Davidians make a brief, I think. I don't know. But, like I said, no, I what happens is it, there's a number of things that this particular cult does that are inspired by other real life cults, but also the Westboro Baptist church is kind of one of the main focuses, but the Branch Davidians and other cults do inspire the story, but we will get into all of that next week and we'll find out if Elspeth actually enjoyed it. It's mostly going to be me talking about cults and I love cults. So I'm very excited. Okay. Well, I will say for that, I'm putting down the rule right now. No rules. You've never seen it. No rules. You have to wait until the end of the episode to say whether you liked the film or not. So stay tuned for that. This has been Felons on Film. I've been Andrew Young. I'm Sparkles. She sparkles again. Thank you for listening. Bye, friends. 